0: God says that we have been made more than conquerors through Jesus Christ who loved us and gave himself for us what I found through a long time of pastoring is is that most people live this life as victims we feel that we have been pressed aside or that something has happened or somebody didn't give us a break and yet the word of God lets us know that Jesus Christ came to give us life and it abundantly So today I want to help us to learn how to shape our tomorrow. I began a few weeks ago talking to you on this subject of how do we go about shaping our tomorrow. In other words, in 2013, do we just want to go through life or do we really want to have a different kind of life? I don't know about you. I'm kind of glad last year is over. Right? Let's bury that puppy and move on. Let's get into what God has for us in this year. In fact, I usually feel that way about every year. I've just noticed it's kind of a ritual, you know, kind of the way it goes. It's like, all right, let's get that one over, let's get in the new one. But here's what I know, is that every year we face challenges, we face a a lot of great opportunities, a lot of things happen in our life. Our problem is, though, is that we don't shape our tomorrow. We don't spend time making a difference in what our tomorrow is going to be. So we begin this series talking to you. The first week we talked about that harvest is in the seed. That in your life, what you do on a daily basis is going to produce a harvest in your life. And so everything that we're doing is a seed. And I talked to you on this aspect that you don't need to be sin conscious because as a believer, your sin is dealt with. All right, I won't re-preach the sermon. But what we have to do is we have to understand that everything we do in life is a seed, and I'm going to reap a harvest. And I don't know about you, I don't like reaping bad harvests, I want a good harvest in my life. The second week we talked about, what were you thinking? And we talked about how that a lot of times our mind, our, our thoughts and, and the pattern of how we think creates a lot of difficulties for us and how that we need to learn to set our affections on things above, not on the things of this earth and how that you and I can live a life where our thinking is right. Then last week we talked about dreams, that God has given each and every one of us the ability to dream. And just as God called those things that are not as though they were, you and I have been given the ability by the power of the Holy Spirit to move into places that nobody dreamed possible. Now today I want you to take your Bibles, if you wouldn't, go to the book of Proverbs. Uh, The the great book of Proverbs that gives us so much insight and so much wisdom— I want to read a couple of verses to you in two different chapters. So would you go to the book of Proverbs, the 13th chapter, and as you're doing that, let me say hello to the campuses. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries, and I'm thankful today for what's already taken place, whatever the location of Love and Truth Church that you are at. I know you've already been in a time of worship. Great things have already happened. Now we're going to the Word of God together, and I want you to get ready to receive what God's going to say today. The book of Proverbs, the 13th chapter, let's read one verse and then we're going to go to the 27th chapter and read one verse there the Bible says this he who walks with the wise grows what wise right but a companion of fools suffers harm now I I think that Solomon kind of softened it up there you know he he said if you walk with the wise you become wise He said, if you walk with fools, well, you're going to have some harm. I want to paraphrase. If you walk with wise, you'll become wise. If you walk with fools, you're going to be a fool. Right? Because, well, anyway, we'll get into that. Go to the 27th chapter. The 27th chapter and the 17th verse says, As iron sharpens iron, so one man or one person sharpens iron another. Now, here's what I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk with us about significant relationships. In all of our lives, there are certain things that determine where we're going to end up at. And one of those are the people that you have around you, the people who are in your life. Now, I I guarantee you, your parents knew this. Because your parents would say things to you that would just get on your last nerve. But, but and you you swore, I mean, as a teenager, you swore, if I ever have kids, I will never say that to them. Such as, you'd be hanging out with some people, come on, and they wouldn't be real liking the people you're hanging with. And, and they would say things such as, uh, son, daughter, I, uh, let me talk to you, birds of a feather fly. Now you had mean parents, too. <laughs> or, or you'd say, well, everybody's doing it. Well, if everybody was jumping off the, yeah, off the bridge, yeah, they had that one, too. Okay. I think that's, that's somewhere in Parents Handbook 101 or something. But, but what your parents were saying, and which is true, is that whoever you hang out with, whoever you are around, the people you run with are going to determine what happens in your life. And so we we have to come to this place today of understanding that significant relationships are what we need and, and that you and I have got to come to that place of living life, understanding that the people who are around us are going to determine where we wind up. Whoever I align myself with has a tendency to affect the direction of my life. Now, here's what's interesting. God made us for connection. Study the, the book of Genesis and you'll find that in the beginning God created Adam first of all by himself. Now there's, there's all the beautiful garden, uh, there's a paradise, there's all the animals there. Uh, but the, the Bible says that God looked at Adam one day and he said about Adam, he said it's not good for man to dwell alone. And so if you read the scripture, it's, it's interesting. You know sometimes when you read the scripture it'll just mess things up. And and here's what the Scripture says. It says that God brought all the animals by Adam to see if any of them would make a suitable companion for Adam. And, and of course, did not. And so then God looked at Adam, and, and as He looked at him, He said, I think I can do better. Come on, ladies, that was your time. And the Word of God says He put Adam into a deep sleep. He took his rib out. Uh, took a rib out of him and, and made woman and, and the scripture says and, and they were together and Adam starts prophesying. This is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. I mean the first prophetic words about a woman. really is. And, uh, you know, he goes through this whole thing. Uh, the, the, the process there is this, is that, that Adam and Eve were made for connection, but, but watch, they were made for relationship, but it wasn't just that relationship that's important. When you study Scripture, you find out that the, the Bible says that God came down every day in the cool of the day to, to spend time with Adam and Eve. See, it's wonderful to have relationships with people, but if you don't have your relationship with God right, you're in trouble. In fact, Adam and Eve, we don't know for how long, it could have been for a million years, but for a season there, every day they spent time with God. But then all of a sudden, they disobeyed God, and that communion, that relationship with God was broken, and their lives began to spin out of control from that point on. Here's what I want to tell you today. We're we're going to talk about relationships. We're going to talk about how to have healthy relationships. But I want you to understand that the basis for healthy relationships begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. If he is in your life, then you can begin to work on these relationships at a much greater level. But God's made us for connection. You know, when you study the Scripture, you you find that David and Jonathan had this great relationship. Uh, Jonathan's the king's son, David's the soon-to-be king, and there's this relationship between them. Elijah had who? Elisha, right? Uh, Ruth had Naomi. Uh, Lewis had Clark. Hewlett had Packard. Batman had Robin. Tonto had the Lone Ranger. I mean, everybody's got connections somewhere, right? There's always this whole aspect there of relationship. And so when you begin to understand that, you see how it works in your life. And so what we have to determine as Christians, how do we live the life that Jesus Christ called us to live? See, I could I could. You know, I could take every Sunday and talk to you about heaven. And heaven's wonderful. Heaven's a great place. We all want to go there. It's our eternal home. We understand that. But you know what? God didn't send Jesus to this earth to die on our behalf just so we could go to heaven. Jesus came to this earth. He spent three and a half years with disciples teaching them how to live on this earth. And and so today, I want to help you in forming the right kind of relationships, living in the right kind of relationships, and seeing how they operate in your life. Now, there are are five areas of relationship connection. These won't be on the screen, but if you want to take notes, I'll go through them real quickly. Uh, And they start off at at one level and kind of move to a deeper level. The the first level is contacts. These are just people who you network with. Uh, Maybe it's somebody at a work environment or or maybe it's somebody you talk to on a periodically basis. uh, but they just help you connect with other people and network with other people. These kind of people really don't have much influence in your life. You don't don't care if they like what you wear. You don't care uh, if they agree with your decision on who you're going to marry. I mean, you're not going, I mean, you know, the place you get gas, are you really going to ask them about the mortgage on your house? I mean that, that's really not something that you're going to do, is it? I mean it's kind it's a contact. Uh, it might network, might be some good things, but but that's all it is in, in life. Uh, have you noticed that that especially Southerners, we we have some colloquialisms, and that and one of those is it doesn't it doesn't matter who you meet. The first thing you say is how are you doing. Now what would happen if we really started telling each other? Man, it's been you, you don't. I mean it's it's just how are you doing. You want them to say what? Fine. How are you doing? And you want to say fine, and you want to go your way. That—that's the contact level. That's that's the the, the second level. I uh, was was really shown to us in the in the past several years on on some different television programs. W- one of those programs was the was the program Cheers. Uh, now, as a pastor, I shouldn't even act like I know what that is about because it's set in a bar, and I'm holy. But anyway, uh, I watched it once. Any uh. The, the whole aspect of Cheers was not about drinking beer. I, they did that. We'll, we'll preach that sermon some other day. Uh, but the, the whole aspect of Cheers was that it was where everybody knew your name. That, that's what it was about. It was about going and hanging out with people. Uh, an, another one of the shows that just blew up for years uh, was a show called Seinfeld. Seinfeld. Seinfeld was the show, and in its, in its definition of the show, it says it is a show about nothing. That's not true. The entirety of that show and the success of that show was about their friends. It was about Kramer, Kramer and George and Jerry and, and all the, you know, uh, Lane and, and the whole network there uh, going on. And then one more show, and I'm not, this is not a TV program, but, but you all know what I'm talking about. One more show that shows what the second level here is, is the show called Friends. Right? And that's the second level of relationship is Friends. Now, the the, the show Friends was an interesting dynamic, and and we won't get into all of that, but what we find out about Friends is that Friends affirm us, and they are committed to us. And you need some people who affirm you. You need some people who are committed to you in the good times and the bad times. They're there no matter what you're going through. So that's the second level. The third level is, is a partnership. Now that can be a business partnership, that can be uh, somebody you go to church with and and you pray for one another and you have a partnership and and you walk life out together. That can be in a marriage, that that can be in a myriad of ways. But but in this, this whole aspect of partnership, what that is, is that you share a common interest or a common goal. And you partner up to make sure that that comes about and and to live life. And so, as as you see, each of these continue to go a little deeper, a little deeper. The the fourth aspect are mentors. Now, somebody asked me one time, they said, what is a a mentor? Give me a definition of a mentor. And the best thing that I came up with, I said this. I said, mentors are not impressed with you. Right? It doesn't matter what you've accomplished or what you've done, they're not impressed. I have people tell me all the time, I'm being mentored by so-and-so, and they don't even know them. Let me help you. Can can I do this real quick before I get into the meat? Uh, You can't be mentored long distance. The the only way you can be mentored is if somebody can speak back into your life. And, And so what mentors do is that they produce change in us. And I hope you've got some people in your life, number one, that aren't impressed with you, and that number two, are producing change in your life. And then the last aspect are protégés. Uh, they are those who learn from us. They are those who we allow in the closest, that, that we allow to know, the, you know everything that's going on, and, and we pour back into them and, and we help them. And, and so as, as you begin to look at that, my mind as I was thinking about this goes to the Apostle Paul. I think Paul shows us what relationship is better than anybody in Scripture. When you find out, you find first of all that when Paul appears on the scene, he still calls Saul because he's persecuting the church. He and God have that you know, road encounter where God knocks him down, blinds him and he goes to a house and the Bible says that God speaks to a man named Ananias and said go and pray for him that he would be healed and be saved. Well, all that that was was a contact. It's the only time in scripture that we know that Paul, then Saul and Ananias had any, any contact. He shows up He says, are you Saul? He says, yeah. He prays for him. And he gets out of there, I think, quickly because he thinks, man, if I hang here, this guy may kill me. So it's it's that kind of a deal. But then you find before very long, Paul comes into contact with a guy named Barnabas. The word Barnabas means son of encouragement, son of consolation. And Barnabas... Takes Paul kind of underneath his wings, takes him to the other apostles, uh, begins to use him and begins to go with him on missionary journey and other things to allow people to be drawn into the relationship with the apostle Paul. But then all of a sudden, what you see happening is, is that Barnabas and Paul go their own ways, and then you find Paul all of a sudden has a guy come alongside of him named Silas. Paul also has in his life a guy named Simon Peter. And, and when you find out, you remember the scripture I read a minute ago that said iron sharpens iron? That's what a friend does. Have you ever seen it when iron sharpens iron? Do you know what happens? Sparks fly, don't they? You need some people in your life who when you get together, it's just, it's just kind of, well, y'all are nervous. I mean, you, you really do. You need some friends. The apostle Peter and the apostle Paul, they, they were on the same level. But, man, when they got, Paul said this about Peter. He said, I confronted him to his face. <laughs> All right. But then you find Paul writing to a guy named Timothy and said, Timothy, stir up that gift which is in you, which was given you by the laying on of hands by the apostles. And then there's a whole other level of a guy named John Mark that Paul got ticked off at because he went home on a missionary journey. Paul said, I don't want anything to do with him. And then a little bit later, at the end of Paul's life, uh, he's writing and he says, send John Mark to me, for he is profitable for the gospel's sake. So there's this whole dynamic that happens there, and you see that the apostle Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, but he didn't do that by himself. He was in relationship with others. Now, how do you and I go about defining relationships and helping those to be everything that God wants them to be so that we truly can shape our tomorrow? I'm going to give you three things real quickly today. Number one is... You need people who are the closest to you to be committed to a biblical world view. Just write it down. They need to be committed to a biblical world view. The book of 1 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, the 11th verse, says this. But now I am writing to you that you must not associate with anyone. Now understand, when, when the, before I go further, the Apostle Paul is writing to Christians about Christians. He's not talking about Christians uh, being an impact in the world. He's saying Christian to Christian, here's what, here's what I want uh, in your life, and here's what I want you to do. He says, but now I'm writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother or a sister, that, but who is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler, with such a person, don't even eat with them. What's he saying? He said, look, you've got to understand that if you hang out with those kind of people, they are going to influence your life negatively. Now, we, we've all talked about it. We've all heard it, that you've got to determine, are you going to flock with buzzards or are you going to soar with eagles? See, buzzards are feeding on dead things. They're feeding on yesterday stuff. They're, they're, you know, buzzards are the people who can tell you the dirt on everybody. They know all the negative. They know all the bad. They can tell you everything. that They they are always just just into it about all the negative stuff. But eagles have learned how to soar. Eagles have learned how to see what tomorrow is going to be. Eagles have said, wait a minute, we refuse to hang out with somebody who is locked into yesterday. We believe that God has something great for us to achieve, and we are going to go for it with everything we've got. And so you, you've got to make a choice. Are you going to allow people in your life to influence you and to hold you back? Or are you going to get people in your life who have a biblical worldview, who speak life into you, who speak the blessings of God over you, who are encouraging you and leading you the way God wants you to go? Or are you, are you choosing to hang out with people who are constantly, constantly taking you in the wrong direction? The second thing about the people who you need in your life is you need people in your life who bring out the best in you. See, I, I, here's what I believe. I believe there's good stuff in all of us. Now, here's the deal. If I were to ask us today, I want you to list all of your negative qualities. Man, some of us will be borrowing paper from everybody around us. Hey, I've run out of tablet here. Could you give me another one? I'm, right? But if I were to say this, if I were just to reverse that and say, give me the best things about you, a lot of us would struggle on two or three. And here's what I know. As many negative things as they are about our lives, there's that many, if not more, positive things. But what I need, I don't need people, listen, I know my junk. I know my stuff. You know, it's kind of like when you're not living for God and you come to church, you don't need anybody slapping you around. You, you don't need to say, you, you've been sinning. I know I've been sinning. You don't have to tell me that. I know my stuff. Show me how I can get out of my stuff. Right? So that's what we need. We need people who can bring out the best stuff. The book of Hebrews, the 10th chapter, says it this way. Verse 12, 24 says, and let us consider how we may, and look at that word, how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds you need some people in your life who are spurring you you know in other words you need a quick swift quick kick in the pants sometimes <laughs> somebody needs to spur you on to good works to honor to love to do those things that God's called you to do are we going to allow ourselves to hang out with people who are always telling us what's wrong always telling us what's bad always telling us all the negative, and again, we know that. Or are we going to find some people and let them come into our lives to spur us on to good works and to do what God's called us to do? The third and final thing in this aspect today of the people you need in your life, if, if you want to be somebody who is shaping your tomorrow, not just allowing life to happen, but you genuinely believe God has given you the power and the ability to make a difference, if you are that kind of a person, then, then the third thing that you need, well, let me just read the Scripture. Romans 12, 10 says this, Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourself. The third thing that you need is that you need people who are loyal to you. You don't need those people who are only your friends and then get on Facebook and talk about you or get on some forum and anonymously put all your stuff out there. You don't need those kind of people in your life. I'm talking to some of you today, some of you need some new people in your life. Some of you need to understand, and I'll be bold enough to say this, some of you need to understand that just because you go to church with somebody doesn't necessarily mean you ought to be in a relationship with them. Because there's some people we're still working on. There's some people Jesus is still working on. And they don't have it together quite yet. And if they are pulling you down, or every time you get into the middle of the battle, they leave you. And they're not there when you, listen, when everything's going good in my life, I don't need a bunch of friends. Understand how I say that. I mean, if, you know, job's doing well, family's doing good, got money. uh, I mean, mean, it's great to have them around, but don't have to, but boy, when it all tanks. You know, when I don't want to pray, I don't want to read the Bible, I don't even want to go to church. And I get paid to go to church. Not many of you can say that. You know, but there's, there's days I go, I don't want to go back there. Those people don't like me. They're mad at me. Well, you know, but in those moments is when, when I have to have somebody. I have to have some friends. I have to have some people who are in relationship with me, who are loyal to me in those moments. Now, you say, Pastor, how do we get there? How do we live this life? Because, again, if these things matter so much, how do I do that And how do I get the right kind of people? i want to give you four things today to help you. These are real practical, real hands-on, but you know me, that's the way that I am because I believe we have to live out life every day, okay? Number one, if if I want to improve my relationships, number one is I need to have an, an attitude of cooperation. Have you ever been with people who it doesn't matter what you bring up, they're against it, right? Don't be that kind of person. If, if you really want the right kind of people in your life, you can't be against every. I mean, the, the first word out of your mouth can't be no. Well, I, I don't know about, you know, I mean, I, I can just see some people and as soon as I start talking to them, I know I'm in trouble because their brow gets furrowed and they start, whatever. And so if, if I don't want that from somebody, then I don't need to be that kind of a friend either. I don't need to be be that kind of a person. I need to be a person who who has an attitude of cooperation. Secondly, I need to help other people achieve their goals. Now, I know good and well that every one of us here and everyone watching today, we have some people who never call us until they need something. Until, you know, something is broke loose or busted or then they call. No, 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 wait a minute. If you know, number one is, I hope you haven't been that person. If you have, repent real quick. All right? But we need to be looking to help other people to achieve their goals in life. If I can help you achieve what God's called you to do, then God will enable you or somebody else, because the Bible says, whatsoever I sow, that I will also reap. So if I sow help to you, then whether it's you or someone else, I'm going to reap that back into my life so that I can achieve what it is that God's called me to do as well. The third thing is, and this one I want you to get it, and it's real easy, but it's real nasty. Don't hang with divisive people. Get them out of your life. If all they can do, the Bible says six things God hates, yea, seven. The seventh one is an abomination, and the seventh one is one who spreads discord among the church. Don't have devices. If all they can do is talk bad about somebody you go to church with, if all they can do is talk bad about this, bad, don't let those people be around you. Well, Pastor, they call me all the time. Listen, God created a great thing. It is called caller ID. <laughs> Beep. Over. Not taking that one. Now, some of you wonder if I've been screening your call. <laughs> Not answering that. I know that number. What are they gonna do? Are they gonna talk about somebody? they're going to bring division about something i don't need that i don't want that i'm not going to receive that and number four is keep the main thing the main thing now you say what do you mean by that here's what i mean the main thing is not about what we've made it and here's what we've made it if you don't agree with me all the time then you're not my friend or if you don't do this, or if you don't do that. And so we will let a great relationship break up over something that is so minute and so foolish. I mean, how many times have I sat in counseling sessions with husbands and wives, and when they walked out my door, now hang on, I haven't done it in a long time because I don't do it anymore, so you can all relax, it's not you. But when they have walked out of my door, I thought, those are two of the dumbest people. I've ever seen, because now I, I'm sorry, Lord, forgive me. Yes, Lord, uh, th- they are getting a divorce. They, they, you know, they started off happy, everything was wonderful. They got two or three kids, or, and they're getting divorced over some of the dumbest stuff. Dumb stuff. But all of a sudden, all they could see was the dumb stuff, and they forgot. Listen. If you want to have a successful relationship, if you want to have a successful marriage, focus on the good stuff. Keep the main thing, the main thing. There are no perfect people. There are no perfect relationships. Keep your eye on what's important. And as you do that, you will begin to see the glory of God taking your relationships, the Bible says, from glory to glory. You know what the Scripture says? The, the Bible says this. It says, although Jesus were equal with the Father, that he didn't take upon himself. He, did, he didn't worry about coming to this earth as man. He, he didn't get all bent out of shape about that. And He said he took upon himself the form of man. He came as a human being to this earth to live in relationship and to provide access for you and I to have a relationship. Jesus spent three and a half years out of 33 and a half years of his life in relationship with 12 guys. One of them turned out to be full of the devil. Those 12 guys he hung out with, the 11, he gave everything to. And the Bible says they turned the world upside down. Why? Because Jesus understood relationship. The greatest relationship that you and I will ever have is not with somebody we see every day. The greatest relationship that you'll ever have is with Jesus. Salvation is not about religion salvation is about relationship it's about saying I believe that God loves me so much that he wants to have a relationship with me and I choose to accept the sacrifice of Jesus Christ so that my sins that keep me alienated from God can be done away with and I can be brought into relationship with God Almighty. That's what it's about. I want to get this right so that I can get this right. That's what God's called us to.